Welcome, everybody, to another exciting episode of the Sports Psych MDs podcast. This is episode 13. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very, very special program for you. We are going to have our very first interview, and this podcast is going to be featuring Archie Lewis. Archie was a member of the Boise State University's Class of 2017 football program. He's from Rancho Cucamonga, California, went to Rancho Cucamonga High School. In college, Archie earned Mountain West All-Academic Honors in 2014. Well, not only that, let's talk about his playing ability. He played left tackle and right tackle on one of the best offensive line units in the country, on one of the best offenses in the country. They consistently ranked in the top 15 in total offense. And during his senior year, he was in 2017, he was actually on the Outland Trophy watch list which that's the trophy that goes to the best interior alignment in college football and doing all this on that Smurf turf. Yeah, so this kid was no joke. Pros were looking at this guy. You know, he had NFL scouts looking at him his senior year. And uh, he's going to share with us today a little bit about his journey and how an injury or actually series of injuries derailed his bright young career, but how he bounced back in a major way and is now representing the United States Army as a master resilience trainer down there in Fort Rucker, Alabama. So we welcome Archie. We are so happy to have him with us today. Oh yeah, he's and, like, he has such a glowing personality. Oh yeah, no, he's a that great was, guy. It was fun. It was Very a lot charismatic. Of fun. Um, you know, he represents Boise State. University very well. Oh, yeah, he had the Broncos sweatshirt on. Yeah, and I'm not going to hold it against him that uh, they beat up on my alma mater, Air Force, several times during his tenure. <laughs> now, we're going to have some fun today. Uh, Archie's got you know, some great things to share with us. All right, let's, let's get into it. Let's go. Do you feel me? Archie, what's going on, man? How you doing? What's up, guys? I'm good. How you guys doing? Good. You're repping the squad, huh? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I had to, I had to. We, this is our first go at this, so... <laughs> this is cool. All right, man. Um, I really am interested in hearing about the trajectory, even, like, starting maybe in, at the middle school level or like at whatever whatever level you realize or maybe your family realized that you know you had serious talent honestly personally i think uh, everything kind of clicked once i got into high school i mean i was always a basketball cat to begin with i mean everybody thought i was going to play like collegiate basketball and then i okay. kind of were told that i couldn't play football they're like dude you don't have that aggressiveness in you bro you don't have it and i was like huh. relax you don't have it so then, like, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to prove you wrong kind of thing. And I kind of got into football. And like I told you, middle school, going into high school, I tore, like, my tibia tendon. So I was doing rehab for two years and didn't actually get into play high school football until, like, my junior year of high school. So well, that's kind of when everything kind of just kind of clicked. And, wow. I uh, started getting, like, letters and stuff and all that jazz. And uh, senior year. Ended up getting like a little recruiting thing from boys, like I told you after the All Star game when I lost my scholarship to uh, New Mexico State. Mm -hmm. I they pulled it back and, and played in the All Star game, and one of the coaches kind of hyped me up, and it was a super blessing for me because I had no idea that. I mean, it was a Boise State coach I was there, but he kind of hyped me up and said, "You need to check this kid out." And like I told you, I got flown out to Boise, and then from there, I sat down with Coach Peterson, and he gave me an offer letter, and 
That's big time. Coach Peterson is like the best yeah. coach in the country at that time. Yeah. He's one amazing, of them. <laughs> wasn't Boise coming off like an undefeated season too? Around that uh, time? Uh, I think games that year. Okay. I mean, my recruiting trip when I went though, it was actually really sick. They were playing against Fresno State, which is one of their rivals. Yeah. And I remember the coaches like bringing me out like to center field and all you can hear was like the Boise from one side and the other side like stay. And like I'm just like a little high school, like holy crap, this is super sick. So I mean that's kinda when I first kinda got introduced. I was like, dude, this is like big time. And you said you only played football for two years before that? I played like a little bit like junior all American, but like I was like a chicken with my head cut off. I didn't know what I was doing out there. Right. Like, I didn't play any actual like football football personally until around like that actual high school junior mm-hmm. senior year. So, what position did they have you at? So in high school they had me at left tackle. Right. Wow. My time at Boise State, I played left and right tackle. So started from my red shirt, started majority of my red shirt freshman year. So my red shirt sophomore year, but I had like a little down slump, lost my spot for a little bit and got it back. And then junior, senior year started, was like an all Mountain West guy and all that jazz. So, yeah. yeah. Damn. Crazy. <laughs> you mentioned, a, was it a tibia that you yeah. injured early on? What What age was that? Fourteen, fifteen. Wow. And I was like an ankle sprain, so like it legit. I was like, okay, it's an ankle sprain, and then doctors look at it a few times, and I'm like, yes, yeah, it's an ankle sprain. My dad's like, no, like he can't like even do anything. So they take me to get an MRI. They're like, bro, I think it's torn. Wow. <laughs> they have to go in there and fix it up, and I'm thinking the rehab is going to be something easy, but the doctor legit told me like, dude, you're lucky if you even play again. Like, mm-hmm. you might not have an opportunity to. So. I mean, I got told that, like, going into my high school year, so that's when I kind of just stopped caring about school, like, my freshman, sophomore year. I was like, dude, if I can't play sports, then, like, what am I even doing? <laughs> but I got lucky enough. I had a teacher. Her name was Mrs. Jellis, who, like, legit set me next to her. and was like, I don't care if you play sports or not. Like, you're going you're gonna to figure this out. You're going to do that. And, like, she had this little mantra. She said, you're going to achieve greatness one day. And, like, she just kept repeating it over and over and over and over and over. And, like, she's actually, like, one of, like, the closest people that, like, I know to this day. Like, I can still hit her up and be like, hey, how you doing? How are the kids? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's actually, like, a, it, it's a lot of cool stuff. So, yeah. That's awesome, like, it, took a village, it took a village to get me to where I am right now, and I'm not even where I really want to be at yet. So, yeah. Well, I definitely want to hear more about growing up and, like, what got you into football, into sports in general. Where'd that passion come from? I, I like yeah. hearing about how a teacher of yours was yep. like inspirational so that actually could be a really good start like what got you into sports and how how old were you when you when you decided that you were interested in sports uh i mean when i was a kid i mean my family's all big on like basketball we had like the court in the backyard okay uh, we lived like in the, the best best neighborhood at the time we lived in like in like south central like in that area in Inglewood and everything so okay i mean part of this growing up all you do is play basketball you go outside you play with your friends my dad was like one of those people who kind of taught me at a young age, you got to earn everything you get. Like, he would block my shot as a kid. Kind of pissed me off. And, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, tough love. Be a little bit crafty and learn how to play the game of basketball. So it kind of started then. But um, as far as football goes, I mean, it didn't really hit me until I had some people tell me that I kind of because they said I was softer because I like basketball. And I had a cousin at the time who was actually doing really good at, like, junior American, like, peewee football. Okay. And I was like, I could do that. And then kind of dove in a little bit as a child, but I wasn't, like, actually good, good. It didn't really hit me until, like, my high school years. So, yeah. So, basketball was your first passion? 
Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. All right. And did do you come from a long line? Like did a lot of your family members play sports, like you mentioned. Uh, I have a cousin that went to Duke, and then played football there. Wow. And I have a cousin that played football at like a D two school, D three school. Okay. But I mean, other than that, it was, those are the only ones that I personally know that actually played some some quality football. What was it about football in particular that kind of made you transition that way? You know, because I mean, basketball is a great sport too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, I'm somebody that like I, I love to keep a smile on my face, and it gave me that little outlet to kind of like be angry at times, like when I, I could right. just be angry, you know. So it, it personally for me, that's kind of what it was. And on top of that, just how to prove people wrong, as I said earlier, because. I mean, I had a lot of people that told me, like, you're too soft, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I was like, all right, bet, I'm going to prove you wrong. We're going to find a way to prove you wrong. So, I mean, it kind of, like, gave me a little fire and spilled, so it kind of helped out as far as that aspect. And you did high school ball in California, let's see, Rancho Cucamonga, right? Yes, sir, Rancho Cucamonga High School. So, uh, it was pretty funny how the story kind of played out. So, I was going to try to play my sophomore year but I wasn't cleared to play or anything okay and I had the coaches uh, as one of my teachers for one of the classes and he saw me walk in he was like why aren't you playing football so he, he how tall were you at this point I was like about six three okay so I like that in my height maybe six three six four at the time maybe but um yeah walked in he was like how come you're not how come you're playing football and I'm like well I'm not cleared to play and plus I'm a basketball player and he was like no no you're not you're a football player <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of how it started and then once I got the, the green light to get cleared and everything starting my junior year that's when I kind of got into football at uh, Rancho Cucamonga so yeah okay wow so you got you got discovered you got called out by the coach okay <laughs> was it a difficult transition going from basketball to football I don't think so because personally at that time like I said I was injured to doing rehab like 24-7 so that whole two years I was doing rehab at a specific site and I was going maybe like three, four times a week, just grinding, trying to get my body back intact. So at that point, it was just me focusing on getting back just so I can actually do whatever sport I wanted to do at the time. So I see. it wasn't really that much of a transition. Okay, so the hard work was already done during the rehab. Yeah. So that must have been um, a tough process. But what you So 14, 15, 16, you're doing rehab, probably yeah. not able to do a lot of the other things that your buddies are doing at that time. Yeah. It was creating for sure, for sure. Okay, so you get into football junior, senior year, and you just start dominating right off the bat? That's what it sounds like. You won some uh, awards, man, <laughs> right? Junior year, um, there was a guy that was kind of, we were battling for the same spot, and he was like a little bit bigger than me at the time, so me and him were kind of split in time, and it didn't actually get the starting nod until like around mid-season. So that whole time left tackle? Like, I was at right tackle. Right tackle, point. okay. Yeah, so this was at right tackle. And it was just a battle. I just remember being pissed off because, like, I got friends telling me, hey, you're better than this guy. And it's like, dude, come on. Like, I, I understand he's bigger, but, I, I, like, I'm nasty than this guy. <laughs> let me go. Like, let me lose. But it, it kind of taught me patience, and it, it let me, like, refine my own game, my own craft, and let me kind of, like, wash my birds out of view and get better at my, at my skills. So, yeah. I like so you mentioned this a couple times already. It's about this, that you have, like, a nasty side to you. Yeah. Where, where do you think that comes from? Honestly, I, I really don't know. I know my uh, my family said when I was a baby, I had like this little disease. I forgot what it was called, but the doctor gave me some type of shot in my arm. And, like you just spazzed out, and, like <laughs> sensitive 
starts at that little like nasty edge <laughs> to you. Okay. <laughs> so I guess it comes from from them. But I mean, I've always been competitive. I mean, if you give me something and say, "Hey, we got to get it done." I'm going to find a way to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like you have to have that to play football, especially to play linemen. Yeah, for definitely, sure. Definitely. So you were recruited by some D1 programs, no? no I had two. So I had New Mexico State. Right. And I ended up with my offer back because they said I wasn't big enough at the time. Right. Wow. So uh, that was that was kind of hard because uh, they're going through a recruiting process. I have the coach come in and talk to me in the weight room. And they're like, hey, we want to give you an offer. And I'm like, okay, sick. Like, I'm about to go to college. My family doesn't have to worry about anything. And, and then I get a phone call like a few weeks later just saying, hey, like we got another guy from JUCO. He's bigger. He's ready to go now. And it kind of it kind of really deflated me. But, I, I mean, something that I still hold to myself this day is something that Kendrick Lamar said in Ignorance is Bliss where he said, I remember being 17, someone would sign me, but the only way these labels give me back is when they rewind me. And I started like implementing that into like my own, like, okay. I like, love that. Hey, like they, you guys said now, like when you see me on film at this program, you gotta wish you had me. That's so right. I got I got blessed enough to where I said I could play in the All Star game for uh, for the Inland Empire area. And, uh, one of the coaches from Upland kind of hyped me up and, and helped me actually get an offer and ended up going to Boise State. And I, I told Boise myself then, like I'm gonna give this program everything, and they're gonna wish that they had me back then. Right. So Boise I, State, I, a lot better program than New Mexico yeah. State for sure. Yeah, you came up on that. Yeah, a little bit left. <laughs> wow. So, how was the transition? Had you had you ever been away from home for like you went all the way to Boise, Idaho, middle of nowhere? It's a culture shock. Most definitely, it's a culture shock. Yeah. Uh, my first time away from home for sure. It was, it was a little bit difficult. I mean, as for anybody that travels out to a different different state, different country for something else, it was a little bit difficult getting in that little process of getting acclimated and get everything situated was tough, but. It took some time, but I got where I needed to go. So let's see. First year, you redshirted. Yes, right? sir. Okay. I want to hear about that redshirt process. Yeah. So yeah. What was that like? Did you think you'd come in right away and get some PT? Oh no, not at okay. all. I mean, that's the lineman. Yeah. Be the, the only lineman in Boise history to do that was, I think, it was Brian Clay, and then I think the guy that they have now, Ezra Cleveland, is another guy. No, I think he redshirted as well. He redshirted as well. So I think there's only like one is Ryan Clady, and he's like a pro bowler, yeah. probably gonna be a Hall of Fame guy. So, oh, yeah. okay. but that redshirt thing was hard. So I came in like a two forty five, maybe two fifty, and they're okay. trying to bulk me up. So I mean, you have those mandatory meals where they just force feed you, and you're force feeding yourself, and you try to get yourself bigger. So you're literally just constantly eating and eating and eating and working out and eating and working. What's out. What's the target weight for an O lineman for Boise State? time by the time i was done it was like around 305 306 so you're putting yeah. on like what is that 60 pounds yeah yeah incredible, are you man. eating like anything they give you or are they giving you like healthy like steaks and potatoes or are you eating like smash mcdonald's or something it was a combination of both because <laughs> i mean we had stuff, so you never wanted to show up like uh late for show up like light for weigh-in so i would always like try to eat mcdonald's or something bad the night before you get like a big shake or something, so hopefully that way I'm a little better. Right like on. The, the good and the bad. So they have you on like this, this physical regimen that first year. Yeah. Did you get any introduction? Did they ever talk about oh, if you have any like mental health struggles or any emotional struggles? It's just you can, you, you can talk to this person. No, I mean, I think mental health and that whole aspect was kind of mum the word at that point. 
especially for like a game of football, you, you keep it quiet. I mean, whatever happens there, it stays there, and you just put your helmet on and you just keep playing. So, I mean, I think now is, is really awesome how they're doing that. I know they have a person in now who actually goes about doing the, the mental health stuff out in Boise State. Oh, okay. Contact with her my senior year. Uh-huh. She kind of helped me like part of my transition to figure out what I wanted to do as far as sports psychology and stuff. So, I mean, they're actually they're doing a good job actually building up their program now. Awesome. That's right. crazy, man. What was it? Your was it your junior year that that you had uh, <laughs> so, pretty bad injury? Yeah. So going from I think my sophomore year to junior year, mm-hmm. uh, I had like an actual like big big like knee injury that I had, and uh, it was like a quad deal. So I had to go repair it and do all that jazz. But uh, it was it was tough. I mean, me and you have a conversation. That's kind of when I had like my my lowest point as like a, a player, and yeah, and it's, that's probably like a lot of people go through, but they probably didn't. They, they don't have like a way to actually speak about it and things like that. So um, throughout that process, uh, end of the year, we have our bowl game, blah, blah, blah. And the uh, coaches are like, hey, you need to be ready to go because if not, like, we have a guy from Auburn that's going to come take your spot. That's and crazy. it's like a week, week or two, week or three before we actually, like, I go in to get my surgery. So at this point, like, I'm just like, I'm pissed off. Like, wow, you're already you're telling me this now. Like, I got to get surgery. I got to get back. What's going on? And uh, throughout that process, I fell into like my, my own like dark, little depression at that point. I mean, I felt like I was kind of thrown. Like, yeah, no. I, so, so let me get this straight. You had the quad injury, mm-hmm. and at what point does the, I guess, the surgeon or whatever medical doctor is evaluating you? At what point did they report to the the coaching staff about what's going on about the extent of your injuries? Kind of had it played out a little bit beforehand, I believe. Like we kind of looked at it some, but we couldn't get like the full MRI until we were back because we were actually like out of the, we were out of state at that point, mm-hmm. getting ready for the bowl game and everything. So when right. we got back, everything kind of like settled. We looked at the MRI and everything. Like, okay, we got to get this done. So, uh, like, we got the results. I think like a little bit before we actually had the bowl game. Okay. It, by then, it was like I'm, I'm gonna play. Like, I'm not gonna not play. I want to be with my boys. Yeah. So I'll, I'll tough it out and so, whatever needs to be done. So you would play. Done. You had played your full redshirt freshman season, and then you played a full redshirt sophomore season, and then you had Pretty an injury much. towards the end of that year. Yeah, it was kind of like in between the season. So okay. like, I thought it was like a little tweak. Ah, I got gotcha. you. Everybody thinks like a little tweak, and, and next thing you know, it's like boom, you got like a little bit of actual like surgery. You got to get done. So That's when you of, so when you felt that tweak, did you get that checked out or? Almost definitely. Okay. I mean, it's like standard protocol to get it checked out. Right. I mean, doctors told me specifically things that like may need to get done, but I was kind of like, hey, just hold off. Like, we got a season to play. Like, just oh, relax. Wow. Yeah. I okay. was trying to tough it out. For the yeah. Team. So their advice was, we recommend that you kind of sit out for a while, and you you kind of said, no, I'm I'm good. I'm going to play. Or how did that play out? It was kind of like based on like my own little tolerance at that point. They're like, if you can handle it and you can keep going, then like you can you just keep pushing, and we'll see how it goes throughout the season. So that was pretty much kind of how it went. Looking so, back, I just want to ask you yeah. one question. Looking back, do you and you know be completely one hundred? Like, do you wish that they had just said, "Hey, man, like, why don't you kind of you know sit the next one out, or maybe sit a couple of two out, just to kind of like give it some time to heal." Or would you rather have kept yourself in that position to maintain your spot? At that point, it was kind of about maintaining the spot because, I mean, right. like, 
at that point, my redshirt sophomore year, we had, like, a lot of injuries and stuff. So, like, I was kind of getting in based off injuries. Like I said, like, I was kind of having, like, a bad showing my initial few games. So, like, getting my spot back, I was like, I want to get my spot back. I got it. So, it was kind of just like, if I can keep pushing through and, and find a way to get this done, I'll get it done. Mm-hmm. So, you're, yeah. you're fighting through physical injury in order to keep your starting position essentially yep. so you played that yep. whole sophomore year injured pretty much i mean from the games that i started pretty much i played the majority of them injured. and then at the end of the year before the bowl game the coaches are saying that they got someone to take your spot if you don't essentially yeah, like, i mean they, they're like hinting at it like hey we got this guy coming in from Auburn, blah, blah, blah. that's cutthroat like, man Yo. so i mean like that was that was no fun whatsoever yeah. at all but i mean like my head, I could see where it was kind of coming from, like that little aspect of like competition, like hey, like make sure you're getting yourself right, make sure you're getting yourself ready. But I mean, in my head, the way I took it, it was like, man, it's kind of hurts. Like I, I'm supposed to be like, I thought I was one of you guys' guys. Like, what's man, yeah, you put yourself on the line like all season, you know? Like yeah. that's got to be tough. That's got to be tough yeah, because the reality is like you probably had evidence of injury that would have justified you maybe sitting a game out, game or two. You know, in, in that instance, they they may have looked at it like you putting yourself before the team, right? And, that, and, I, and I have a feeling that's probably what you were trying to avoid. You know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, sometimes have to look at it that way. Like, especially if you have potential to go pro. And then I, I see that your red shirt junior year, the following season, you had a pretty dominant year. It looks like you yeah, bounced back. And- yeah. It was actually really, it was actually really solid. So the fun thing about that one is that like we were actually like competing back and forth, me and the guy from Auburn, and honestly, it, it made me a way, way better player. Okay. All right. And I had to actually like, push myself like a little bit further, a little bit harder, especially coming back from like the injury and everything. It was, yeah. it was tough. Right. But I mean, it kind of gave me that like mental edge and mental fortitude to be like, hey, like anything worth getting, you gotta just get off. You gotta, you gotta get it. So that's all right, so the competition ended up paying off. So maybe the coaches knew a little bit about what they were doing to motivate you. Yeah, yeah. So um, earlier you talked a little bit about having gone through a dark period after yeah. that talk you had with the coaches and you know, kind, of, kind of having to face that, you know, you may lose your spot. What what was that dark period like? Uh, it was tough, man. Like, throughout that process, I mean, you just got off surgery you're sitting there. I mean, everybody knows when you're not out there with your boys, you not know, with your team. It's just like it, it's just a bad day, regardless. So, yeah. I mean, I I kind of took care of it and found a way to cope away of my own, which wasn't the most beneficial way. I mean, they gave us painkillers, and I was like, hey man, I mean, I'm not with the boys. I already like I don't carry the coaches, and I just self medicated myself. Wow. And I probably did it like way. I kind of exacerbated it and took way more than what I should have. And, what kind of painkillers? This is stuff that that was given to you by the team docs, I, I guess. Like for yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. But I mean, they tell you what to take and how much you should take. But at right. that point, it was just I'm a college kid. I'm away from home. I'm not happy. Right. I'm sitting there depressed. So like I'm, I'm taking like copious amounts of stuff that I probably shouldn't have, and, mm-hmm. and wasn't really a smart idea at all. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point to where I just legit was kind of sitting there in my bed one day, just taking like maybe like seven or eight like high like volume actual like like painkillers i'm just like bro like what's going on like what am i doing with my life 
And then I uh, was lucky enough to, to go to this little pastor that we have in Chaplin. Uh, his pastor's name Pastor Mark Thornton. And he came in and he had this little sheet that kind of said, I can, I will, and I must. And I just kind of started applying it in every aspect. It was like, I, I can get better, I will get better, I must get better. And just started applying it in every single thing that I did. And it got to a point where I was like able to kind of fight myself off of all the stuff, kind of got rid of everything and, and just focus back on my training. And I mean, it's, it's a blessing to God. I mean, I, I'm thankful to God every day for Absolutely. it. And having him come in and give me that sheet. And like I said, I still have it sitting in my house in California. I'm going to get it shipped out here. That's awesome. Uh, where I'm at now, but it's yeah. it saving so it's yeah. not, it sounds like these these mantras that you've had over the years have been really impactful <laughs> for you things that you can just easily repeat to yourself and when you're in a yeah. tough spot and it's got some power man that's awesome <laughs> did you when, when you were going through this dark phase like did you feel like there was anybody on the team like i don't know other than the i mean the chaplain i think that was really I think a great call on your part um yeah. But was there anybody like on the medical staff, uh, maybe even other teammates that you felt like you could lean on during that yeah, period was, of time? Yeah, was anyone monitoring like your use of the painkillers? Did they notice that hey, maybe you're running out sooner than you should have or ask like educating you about like the addiction potential of like painkillers? Uh, like they, like I said, they gave us like the initial thing from the beginning and told us like, hey, it's what you're supposed to take. It's how much you're supposed to take. And like I said, like you're a young college, like you're young, you're young college student. Oh, yeah. Seems like that's the last thing you're thinking about when you're sad and you don't know mm-hmm. what's going on. You're just pissed off at the world. So, I mean, yeah, they, they get actual things of what to do and like how to actually go about taking it. But that's on me for not listening to that one. So, most definitely, I mean, for future references, now you know. But <laughs> back then, I wasn't thinking it through at all. So, yeah. in regards to uh, actually having people that actually speak to, like I said, I mean, we had other players there that we could kind of talk to because I mean there was like people that were injured as well but I mean like I said when you're kind of in that injury boat you're kind of cast to the side I mean everybody has to do a spring ball and you sitting there in rehab or sitting down on a bike or something you're just sitting there sulking with somebody else that's sulking right, so, right. I mean it helps out some but it, it doesn't help out a bunch was there a um, like a team psychologist or like mental health professional available uh, we didn't have one time I mean like I said I So if you if you had like let's say you know developed a serious case of depression and to the point where you know contemplating suicide right like who would you go to like where would you turn in that in that instance? Personally, I, I don't I don't really know at all. I mean that's where you kind of look into the the Tyler Holinsky's where you kind of wish you had like health staff there that wow. possibly helped out during those issues you know. So yeah. having people there that, that can actually go about talking with somebody or kind of having that open door. Yeah. But, I mean, you, you don't really have that. I mean, at that specific time, we didn't have that. Was so. there anyone, part of maybe part of the coaching staff, maybe even even senior players that were open to having any conversations? Anyone felt comfortable talking about, I don't know, emotional issues or anyone related to overall wellness? Anything at all? Uh, not really. I think that's part of like, the football culture. Like, mm. you, you have issues like that, you kind of keep them to yourself and you just kind of work them out best you can yeah no I, I i i'm feeling that and you know but what's interesting to me is it sounds like at least briefly you may have had you know some form of substance use disorder you know yeah. opiate use disorder um just because you know 
once you get to that point where you're taking kind of like excessive amounts in order to, you know, relieve that pain and, you know, you, you, you feel like you kind of have to have that, you know, that, that kind of does um, suggest a, you know, a possible disorder. And, um, and man, like a lot of times it really requires, you know, a medically managed process to, you know, to kind of get yourself off of medicine like that. So, man, it just, it's, it's crazy to me to think that there was nobody there that you could really go to in that type of crisis. So you mentioned you got yourself out of it and you went to the chaplain and that was probably the number one thing that helped you. What other, where else did you look for, for support? Uh, Honestly, just kind of reflecting back on like how to actually I don't know how to, like to describe it, but I think it's like reflecting back on like why I was there to begin with. Yeah. And kind of just going back to like my roots with everything, okay. you know, and kind of dig myself like out of that process and that, and then like getting to actually compete again, like once I was actually feeling my body getting back into contact and, and realizing like, hey, like I understand like, this is like a, a setback here, like I get to compete for a spot, like at a D1 program, like get, get off your butt, like let's go. All right. Stuff like that kind of just like lit a fire under my butt. And like yeah. I said, like it, it's more of like a tribute test, to, like testament to God at this point. Because I mean, I, I personally don't know how I got out of it. I mean, if that chapter wasn't there, I personally don't know what would have happened at all. So, so did you just like kick the painkillers pretty quickly soon after that, or how was at that, that point, process? At that point, I was kind of flushed them. I mean, I was like, I don't, I don't need them. That's I just great. got rid of them. I was like, I don't want them here. I just flushed them and kind of got rid of them. So, yeah. yeah, that was that, that intervention really, you know, changed the, the course of things in a, in a major way. So yeah. what was the next next step for you? So the next step for that process, it was honestly just getting into rehab and, and mm-hmm. just kind of going. Yeah. I had like, we have such, or we had such a great, or I personally had such a great like staff there during that point. Uh-huh. Uh, guys like Jim Spooner and, and Mark and all those guys that helped me out and get me to work. You know, we kind of set up like legit plans and actually follow strict regimens and, and went about doing it. And they know me. They know I'm impatient with things. Like, if it's not going right now, I, I get a little bit antsy. So they're like, just relax. And they kind of, like, talk me down. Like, yo, it's going to be fine. Just relax. the process. Yeah. You, know, you can't go right now, but give it, like, a week. Give it two weeks. You'll be good to go. So, I mean, those guys helped me out a bunch as far as, like, the recovery process. So they kind of had to hold you back a little bit. You didn't have any trouble with motiv- being motivated. Yeah. All right. That's good to hear that you had strong support while you're there with regards to the coaching staff. Are they like the physical training staff as well? Yeah. Are those the people you shout yeah. out? Nice. Those guys were, like I said, like our training staff, our coaches, they're they amazing. I mean, Boise State, it's, it's, it's a family atmosphere and that goes from the coaches to the, the ball boys to, to everybody. So, I mean, if they if they can spot you having a bad day, they're the first ones to, to pick you up or kind of nudge you. And yeah. Our quick guy Dale would do the same thing. Like if you're having a bad day, bug you a little bit, make you smile some, and, and yeah. have you get on your way. But I mean, that that atmosphere and being at this specific school, it helped out. They helped out like tremendously because I don't know how it would have been if I was at a different program. So that's awesome to hear. I everyone always talks about like what what are the intangibles that make like a really good football team, and I think having each other's back a good family atmosphere that's huge and it's it's hard to create that environment and i think everyone probably looks at boise state as a team a program that's like that because some like no offense some random school out in boise idaho that is always competing on the national stage with with sec teams and pac-12 teams so that's great to hear yes sir yes 
Yes, sir. Yeah, so you got back junior year, uh, and that was your best year? It was one of the best ones, yeah. It was like one of the most fun ones I had. But honestly, my senior year might have been... My senior year was the best one for me personally. Okay. Tell Yeah, tell us... Tell us, so you get back to, would you say, 100%? Yeah. I read I read somewhere that you were on the Outland Trophy watch that's right. list. That's right. Yeah. Oh, that's big time. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's big time, man. So you, at this point, were actually even being recruited by professional teams. Yeah, I mean, like, there was, like, talks in the lambs about me, like, being, like, a guy that was possibly going to get drafted and everything. Yeah. The funny thing was, though, was like going into my senior year, like I had another surgery, kind of like cleaning some stuff up, and then the first day of fall camp, like the first practice, I take like a step on a play, I demolish my guy, but I end up like messing up some cartilage in my knee again, I have to go back and get scoped out. So I miss like the first three to four games of like my senior season. Oh, <laughs> like that. how frustrating was, was that? Man, it was it was kind of annoying. But, I mean, I, I wasn't really stressing it at that point because in my head I was like, it's my senior year. Like, if it happens, it happens. Like, I'm, like regardless, if, it, if I can't play, I'll probably get, like, a medical. And if I come back, I'll be good to go regardless. So, it, it was a good moment for me because it allowed me to actually become more of, like, a vocal leader for the team. Right. So, like, actually being able to, to speak my mind and then speak to the guys to where, like, I was, like, one of the main guys who kind of got our guys hyped up before games and everything when I got back and, just becoming that voice where, like, you spoke and people listened, you know? So it it, it humbled me a lot, and it allowed me to grow, like, way more. So injuries like that, like, yeah, they suck. But it's just, it allows you to kind of, like, grow and look at the list from a different perspective. And the best thing about injuries that I think you might not come back 100%, but you learn how to, like, shimmy your game some to where you're, like, better than where you were before. That's right. Oh, yeah. Strength and other weaknesses. So yeah. it sounds like, do you think by going through kind of the fire, so to speak, sophomore, junior year, that you were able to just brush off that injury senior year and come back even better? Yeah. Right on. Yeah, man. And and so, like, ultimately, you decided to go into a career in sports psychology. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Uh, so it kind of stems from the injury that I had mm-hmm. with the whole, like, issue with the little dark times that I had. And, not having anybody to actually go and talk to. So uh, once I was kind of done with football, I mean, after I tried to do the whole NFL thing, messed up my knee one more time, got it scoped up, and the doctor was like, hey, you keep doing this, you're going to have to have a new place by the time you're 28. How many, yeah, how many surgeries all in all did you have by the time you graduated? Four, four right now. Four. Oh four God. knee surgeries? All in the same knee or? All the same knee. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. So, this was like, hey, you keep doing this, you're gonna need like a near place to my time twenty eight and I was like, Okay, I can't keep doing this regardless. So I got lucky enough to where I went to um a doctor's office out in LA and spoke with uh, Dr. Clarence Shields and me and him just sat down and spoke and I told him what I wanted to do and he kinda got me in contact with another sports psychologist and he kinda told me, Hey, you need to focus on your North Star goal. And that's kind of where I kind of sat down and started writing stuff out and what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. And uh, a little bit later, I did my applications in for grad school at California Baptist University, and the rest was kind of history. So you, you mentioned North Star goal. Yeah. So I, I like these sayings that you have. I think it's that's great. really helpful <laughs> to do that. So you pretty much laid out your goals on like yeah. physically on a piece of paper and kind of just went after them. Yeah, essentially doing goal setting without even. Know what goal setting really was at that point. <laughs> so, uh, 
uh, actually went about writing everything and how I wanted to get it done, researching different programs and figuring out what needed to be done in order for me to get into these programs. And honestly, just stumbled across CBU and went by for a visit and was like, this place seems like the spot for me. I uh, spoke with uh, the program director and, and she got me really hyped up about the program and told me other people would be able to work with and, and doing all the application skills, which I love because reading the book is great, but being able to actually apply what you learned is even better for me. I'm a hands-on guy, Definitely. especially a former athlete. So, uh, it, it, it kind of sealed me out of the deal and, and went to CBU and graduated August. So. Congratulations. Oh, man. man. Yeah. Freshly graduated. All right. How long was the program? Uh, it was like a year and like a year and some change. Okay. Year and some change. Yeah. All right. So what's what's the next step? What's on the horizon? Next up, I'm currently here right now. So I'm in Alabama, gearing up to be an MRT, which is a master residency trainer for Fort Rucker. So essentially, I'm doing sports psychology for for the military. So That's crazy, man. Yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I'm actually really excited to kind of get started. I get started up on Monday, so uh, wow. hopefully it's, it's all it's all fun stuff. But I'm just excited to be able to to kind of share and, and help people out and help boost their performance. Yeah. So, I mean, whether that's team cohesion, whether it's like CBT skills, like reframing and thought stopping, all that jazz, uh, just teaching out different theories and models and, and getting it going. I'm, I'm yeah, all for it. Others get better. So it's like the, the first notch and the stepping stone to get to our Definitely. Go. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a wealth of, of, knowledge and experience to, to share yeah. with these these troops yeah they're going to really value having a guy like you there definitely you have a lot to share How, how's how's alabama i know you've only been there for what a couple of days but uh it's cool so far i mean it's not hot it's not humid yet so i, I beat the i beat the hot weather so okay. hopefully it's not as bad as like louisiana was when we played against those guys back in the day <laughs> i remember being out there and people were passing out left and oh, right yeah Is that <laughs> louisiana tech uh, it was Louisiana Lafayette. Oh, Lafayette. It was the funniest game we had. So we're sitting there. The cop that's watching our sideline passes out. Everybody's <laughs> like over the fence. They pass out. I remember the end of the game. Like we won by a decent amount. And I'm dehydrated by the end of the game. And I'm walking up the tunnel. And I'm seeing stars when I'm walking up. Like, oh, oh, God. God. I don't know if I make it up this hill. <laughs> so oh. it, 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 it got really, really hot. That's like the beginning of September in Louisiana? Yeah. Yeah. Football is the ultimate team sport, and you had the opportunity to play that at the highest level, one of the highest levels, you know, the collegiate level. What would you say was the most rewarding memory that you had from from that experience? The most rewarding memory that I probably had was winning the Mountain West Championship in our bowl game my senior year, just because I knew all the hard work that was going into it. And I mean, like I said, we played against Fresno State. So we played against Fresno State there, lost. We had to play them again in the championship game the following week. So we played the same oh, team. I remember twice. that. So we're back in Boise playing the championship game. It's cold. On the Smurf turf? Yeah, on the Smurf turf. Right. It's cold. I'm sitting there excited. And we pull out the win. And it was the coolest ever. I mean, everybody's rushing the field, everybody's together. And it's just cool to see because. We won it my, I think, Richard freshman year. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was cool putting those pictures side by side of us winning back then to us winning now. So it's like that. It's like a full circle type deal. Yeah. And then being able to go out 
to Vegas in our bowl game and play against Oregon. And I mean, I want to toot our arm, but we beat down Oregon pretty bad that game. Oh. <laughs> so it was, it was actually it was a really really dope thing to actually be able to to play against a Pac-12 school in front of like my family and my friends. Everybody came out. And, and they got to see me play one last game. So it was, it was, really, it was the best way to cap off. Oh, I can imagine. Do you ever get nervous before or during games? Oh, most definitely. Yeah? yeah how, did you, how did you deal with that? How did you address it? Uh, honestly, I mean, going back and looking at it, I did like a variation of like thought stopping where there was like a verbal cue or like a, a mental cue or physical cue. Okay. So a lot of things, like let's say it's like third and like five, third and six. You know, everybody knows they're passing at this point. So right. you're sitting there as a tackle and you're looking out, you're trying to check blitzes and stuff, and you're kind of trying to like get your mind back focused and you're trying not to jump outside and you don't want to think about giving up a sack. So I would do this thing where like I would pat my leg and just like tell myself to like relax. And like I, I didn't notice I was actually using like actual stuff then, but I was actually using stuff then. So it was actually cool to like. Yes, yeah, man. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. It's kind of like a ritual. Yeah, nice. so, <laughs> it's actually cool to see. Like, it actually helped out and got me back focused and kind of refrain my mind and everything and getting back on task. That is kind of cool that how you went through this like sports psychology program, um, and you can apply it, look back at your playing days, and be like, I was doing a lot of this stuff without ever being really taught them. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you mentioned uh, your family a couple of times, um, and. I just kind of wanted to know from your perspective, you know, have a guy that's kind of had a lot of success in sports. How critical was your family support in terms of your development as an athlete? Very. I mean, my mom and dad, specifically my dad, was instrumental in like all of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's a guy that would work crazy hours, but would still show up for practice, show up for games, would drive out. And I know he's tired. And I'm looking like, yo, like, you ain't slept at all you didn't slept like a day like, how are you out here in practice and stuff yeah. and just seeing him actually like kind of kind of tough it out just to just to make sure that I was okay and spending the extra money to make sure that I could go to these trainings or like camps and, and doing all this extra it, it paid dividends I mean he might not have noticed that I wasn't paying attention but I, I paid attention to all of it yeah because I mean the other people to where like they, they wish that their dads could kind of be there and they can't you know and I mean, I was blessed enough to have a mom and dad that were so supportive, especially a father figure that was so supportive to where he would legit go out of his way when I knew he was tired and he's not feeling well, yeah. just to make sure that I was good to go. So, I mean, it, it paid dividends for sure, for sure. Like as far as like my development as an athlete, because I mean, whenever I played a game and he was there, it was like, all right, like my dad's here, I got to show out because he's here. That's right. You yeah. Know? It was just really, it was really cool just to see. I mean, looking back at it now, it's like, it's, Would you say that your parents had like more of a, a firm discipline style or were they pretty pretty laid back, pretty cool about most things? Well, they're firm for sure. Okay. <laughs> I mean I got I got a few weapons in my day for sure. You did? But okay. <laughs> did... <laughs> I mean, they did it the way that their parents taught them. Right. I mean, I've never felt threatened or anything like that. It's just it's kinda of like you grow up kind of in an old school mentality where you do something bad, you don't get the you don't get the belt at some point. Yep. So yep. Been it was there. just stuff like that. All right, well, I mean, it all looks like it's turned out well for you, man. It sounds like you got big things ahead. I I appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. Yeah, it's been great, it's man. This is our first interview. I'm excited. 
I think it's gone pretty well. I think so too. Yeah, definitely appreciate your time, Archie. You're going to be a, a big dog in this field, man. You really are. That's the plan. We're going to yeah. have to do some collaborations in the future for Absolutely. sure. I mean, I got a few more years. I got to figure out this whole PhD thing and how I'm going to do it. Okay. Oh, is that that's the next, that's the next move? PhD? I mean, I want to I wanna be a doctor at some point. I love I mean, it. I want to talk now. The end goal is to kind of have my own practice to where I can kind of do whatever I want to do. So I'm going to need that, that piece of paper at some point. That's the North Star goal? Yeah, North right Star on. goal, man. Right on, man. That's awesome, dude. Well, it was great to hear your story. It was, yeah. Very inspiring. Um, I know that our guest's going to be uh, extremely inspired by your words and by your journey. Yeah. And um, we have this this episode where, you know, we kind of talk about, like, the transition, you know, that, that athletes go through. And a lot of times it's tough. It's tough to kind of go from, you know, having the identity of being the, the big-time football player, you know, to kind of having a different type of identity, you know, that's maybe not quite as cool and popular and, you know, all of that potentially lucrative, but at the same time, like you found a way to really take all the things that you've learned and, and help people, help other people, you know, to, yeah. to be great, to have the same type of success that you had. And, and, you know, hopefully if they have the types of struggles that you had, right, yeah. that you're able to you know, help them out of that. So they don't have to go through the dark period, right? The dark period that you had. Okay. Yeah, man. So it's very inspiring. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. All right, buddy. You take care. All right. Hey, man. See you, Archie. Later. Do you feel me? Hey, hey, T, T, T. Hold on, man. What's going on? We can't end the show like that. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, what's in the stigma? Let's continue the conversation. Do, do you